May I speak for the greater glory of God through his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, Savior, and King. Amen. I don't believe in kings. I don't believe in presidents either. <laughs> in fact, I don't believe in any kind of leadership. And if Lob and Bernard would cross their ears, I don't believe in superiors either. <laughs> what you may ask led me to this distaste. Well, my country was colonized by a kingdom that committed atrocities left, right, and center, and the pain is still felt to this day. If you are hooked into the current craze on Netflix, The Crown, you also may have encountered some facts that show how dysfunctional, entitled, and bordering evil this particular monarchy's family is. We then fought for independence, and we got our president, our own man, as we love to say. He was a corrupt, ruthless dictator, and his successors in office have followed in his footsteps, ensuring that corruption, exploitation, and intimidation are the order of the day even though we claim to be and are regarded as one of the best examples of democracy in Africa, but I believe we are a perfect example of democracy God bad everywhere. As I entered early adulthood, I joined religious life seeking a home and community, but mostly to belong. And all I got until I encountered Holy Cross was misunderstandings, long for judgments, and hatred that I did not deserve. In midlife, I moved to an adoptive country that I loved, and at some point, that country chose a president who was a racist, divisive, misogynistic, sexist, corrupt, the list goes on, things the devil himself would be ashamed of being associated with. Thankfully, the worst of that era will soon be in the past, and the future looks a bit promising, but a lot of work is needed. You are justified to ask if I don't believe in any form of leadership, why then am I standing in front of you on the feast of a king, the feast of Jesus Christ, the King of the universe. First and foremost, it is because it's not about me and it's about him. And then the other answer is as simple as it is complex, and that is because readership is as inevitable as it is necessary, and the choice is what kind of readership I do want and not whether I should have readership or not. Plus, here and there, I have encountered very present leadership, although it is sadly an exception and not the norm. A few, back here, a few years back in Kenya, slightly before a tightly contested presidential poll, similar to what we just had this month 
or in 2016, a meme was circulated in the internet containing a picture of Jesus Christ the King, and it is said, and I quote, no matter who is elected president, Jesus Christ is still the King. Never in America and in the entire world have we needed to hear those words than this present moment. Today's feast is suggesting to us and celebrating a different kind of readership than we are used to, servant readership. Today's feast also celebrates integrity in leadership, honesty, maturity and selflessness, qualities that are almost extinct in our contemporary readers. I would therefore love to invite you to explore this style of readership with me, and hopefully you'll be converted with me into moving from not believing or rather from tolerating readership into craving readership. In today's first reading that we heard from the prophecy of Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 to 16, God assures us that he himself will seek his sheep, meaning us, and rescue them from where they are scattered, gather them together and feed them, and he himself will be the shepherd. He promises to seek the lost, bring back the strayed, bind up the crippled, strengthen the weak, and the fat and strong watch over. In other words, none would be neglected. God declares at the end of verse 16 that I will feed them with justice. All of us, or at least most of us, have lived through different campaign periods by the same politicians or by different politicians. We have had different promises and pledges of what and how much they will do for us, but I don't remember any of them promising to feed us with justice. Although most pretend that they will serve all equally, they and we know that the major beneficiaries of their rule are their crossed circles and those who think like them, not to mention their families and cronies. Therefore, God promising a reign of justice for all must have been like music to the ears of the oppressed of the day and is still music to my ears and I hope to your ears as well. God goes further in verses 20 to 24 to declare that he himself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. We are mostly used to hearing from the scriptures about the judgment or separation being between sheep and goats, wheat and chaff, good and evil, and our minds got accustomed to thinking of us versus them. Today's first reading is telling us that God will judge sheep against sheep. The strong sheep that pushes the weak sheep around with side and shoulder, thrusting with horns, and by doing so, 
taking advantage of their weaknesses, which more or less they are responsible for causing. This judgment of God will therefore touch all of us, because in God's vocabulary, them does not exist. It is just us. The Gospel passage we read today continues where the first reading left to explain to us how this judgment and justice will be dished out. It will be simple and not elaborate and graphic as some of us would want or were promised. Remember those Sunday school teachers and preachers who say our lives will be displayed as in a video or movie for everyone to see? I hate to disappoint you, it will not be like that. <laughs> it will be simple, and it will simply be based on what we did or failed to do to the rest of our brethren, our fellow human beings. Hence, we will be all are already judging ourselves. It will be according to the simple tasks that we carry out on daily basis, feeding others, visiting others, comforting others, being there for others, welcoming others, loving others. Is that too difficult to understand? Then I'll make it simpler. I was a Mexican kid in a cage, but you kept quiet. I was turned back at the southern border, sent back to be murdered by dictators and drug cartels, but you never championed for me. I was murdered in numerous black men, but you kept mum. I suffered ill health for lack of insurance, but you said nothing to the policymakers. I was jobless and called crazy when I sought social security, but you breathed out no word about the system that creates inequality. I was a homosexual jailed in Uganda and elsewhere, but you said nothing because out of sight, out of mind was your approach to issues. I was earning less than my colleagues because I was a woman, but you were okay with that. My name was blasphemed by rabid prosperity gospel pastors and ultra-conservative priests who distorted my words and misquoted me, but you said nothing because you did not want to risk being seen as judgmental. I was denied justice as a person of color, but you never came to my rescue. The sad thing is that most of us will judge ourselves to damnation because we ignore the simple things and go for huge things, while scripture and saints, especially Teresa of Calcutta, keep reminding us that God never asks us to do extraordinary things but to do ordinary things in an extraordinary manner. In the Sundays and many of the weekdays reading up to this feast, 
If you have been following the readings, be it from the liturgy of the Eucharist or the offices, you know that many of the passages are eschatological or apocalyptic in nature. The Church does this not to scare us to submission, but to remind us that all things come to an end. We are coming to the end of these toughest of liturgical years in recent history at the end of this week. We will add what is called ordinary time as we begin Advent, being reminded that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. This great truth is the reason why we celebrate the feast of Christ the King on the last day of the liturgical year. It is a reminder to us that while we do not know the day or the hour of our Lord's return, the day is coming when time will be no more. But even when that day comes, the Lordship of Christ will continue to reign supreme because he is truly the firstborn of all creation and in every way the primacy is his. As we celebrate Christ's kingship over the universe, his divinity and his lordship over all that is seen and unseen, it is fitting that we ask ourselves some most important questions. If we know him to be the king of the universe, the sacred person of the Trinity and our divine Lord, have we truly made him the Lord over our own lives? Do we, through obeying his words, treat him each and every day as though he is our King and Lord? Do we serve him as King and worship him as Lord in the way that he deserves to be worshipped and served? And as the Gospel reminded us this morning, we serve him through serving others, especially the less fortunate. Is he the center of our lives as he ought to be if he is truly our king. Let us pray together with Paul as he urges us in the second reading this morning from Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give us a spirit of wisdom and liberation of him, having the eyes of our hearts enlightened so that we know the hope to which we have been called to and the immeasurable greatness and power in us who believe, all stemming from the power of Christ's resurrection. My brothers and sisters, the message today is simple, and it is this. Regardless of who is in Washington or who rules in the capitals of the world, there is only one true King, Jesus Christ. As we celebrate his kingship on this last Sunday of the liturgical year, let us recall what we said or heard as the Easter cadre was read at the Easter Vigil. Jesus Christ yesterday, today, the beginning and end, the Alpha and the Omega, all times belong to him and all the ages. 
To him be glory and power through every age forever. Christ conquers. Christ reigns. Christ rules. Amen.